Forlock Forbach Reads. Produced by the Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library. Welcome to Warlock Vorabach Reads, a Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library podcast. We did it! We have arrived at our last poet. Next month is the one-year anniversary of me reading supernatural poetry. Now, last time, our poet described the haunted horrors of racism in America. This month, our poet was known as the King of the Bohemians and published a controversial poem titled A Wine of Wizardry that I'll be reading on this very podcast. The poet I'm speaking of is George Sterling. George was born in Sag Harbor, New York, on December 1st, 1869. He was the eldest of nine children. His father wanted a priest in the family, so George spent three years attending St. Charles College in Maryland, where he studied poetry under John B. Tabb. However, George would follow his uncle to California and work as a real estate broker in Oakland. Although he mainly published in newspapers and lesser-known journals, George would publish a small volume of poetry in 1903. The same year, Paul Lawrence Dunbar published the poems we read last podcast. His George's book of poetry was ignored by most. However, the East Bay writers, including Jack London, loved it. In 1905, George moved to Carmel-by-the-Sea, California, and started a settlement for Bohemian writers and artists. These included Charles Rollo Peters, Robinson Jeffers, Charles Warden Stoddard, Ambrose Bierce, Mary Austin, Arnold Genthy, and Clark Ashton Smith. Having wrote a wine of wizardry while commuting on ferries between San Francisco and Oakland, George complained to his friends about the growing pile of rejection letters the poem was causing. Ambrose Bierce, at the time working for William Randolph Hearst's publishing empire, secured it for publication in the September 1907 issue of Cosmopolitan. He also claimed it as one of the greatest poems written, despite it sounding more like a 19th century romantic poem compared to the modern free verse movement that was then popular in Europe and America. The public outcry was swift damning the poem as frippery. One critic was harsh enough to suggest reading the poem would, I quote, cause people to attack cripples or drown themselves in a lake, end quote. Yikes. Naturally, this had the opposite effect, and even more people became interested in living nearby the king of the Bohemians. But the bad press did not stop there. Nora May French, 
a troubled young poet staying with the Sterlings at the time, committed suicide by poison after an unsuccessful attempt of shooting herself in the head. George's wife would also commit suicide by cyanide. George began to drink problematically and possibly dabbled in strong narcotics. Having carried with him a vial of cyanide for years, he finally took it on November 17, 1926. Despite Bierce's praise of his poetry and his association with other writers and artists of renown, George never became known outside of California. When asked about the cyanide vial he had kept with him, he had often responded, A prison becomes a home if you have the key. Now, before I start reading A Wine of Wizardry, here are some historical highlights from the year 1907. In London, the largest public demonstration for women's suffrage is nicknamed the Mud March, due to the incessant rain mudding everyone's clothes. The Diamond Sutra, a Buddhist woodblock dated 868 AD, is discovered in the Magao Caves in China, making it the earliest complete survival of a dated printed book. April 17th is the busiest day at Ellis Island, logging in 11,747 immigrants. All born in May, Catherine Hepburn, Daphne du Maurier, Laurence Olivier, and John Wayne. The London Underground's Charing Cross, Uston, and Hampstead Railway opens. The Irish Crown Jewels are noticed to be missing. Frito Kahlo and Robert A. Heinlein are born in July. UPS is founded in Seattle, Washington. J.P. Morgan and other Wall Street financiers bail out the New York Stock Exchange. Oklahoma becomes the 46th state. The Hoover vacuum cleaner is invented. The first ever ball drop is held in Times Square, New York City. And now, try not to be spellbound or attack people or drown yourself by the hypnotic rhythms of a wine of wizardry by George Sterling. A wine of wizardry. When mountains were stained as with wine by the dawning of time and as wine were the seas. Ambrose Bierce. Without the battlements of sunset shine, mid domes the sea winds rear and overwhelm. Into a crystal cup the dusky wine I pour, and musing at so rich a shrine, I watch the star that haunts its ruddy gloom. Now fancy, empress of a purpled realm, 
awakes with brow caressed by poppy bloom and wings in sudden dalliance her flight to strands where opals of the shattered light gleam in the wind-strewn foam and maidens flee a little past the striving billows reach or seek the russet mosses of the sea and wrinkled shells that lure along the beach and please the heart of fancy. Yet she turns, though trembling, to a grotto rosy sparred, where waddled monsters redly gape that guard a cowed magician peering on the damned through vials wherein a splendid poison burns. Sifting satanic gules athwart his brow. So fancy will not gaze with him. And now she wanders to an iceberg, or a flammed with raid auroral guidons of the north. Wherein hath winter hidden ardent gems, and treasuries of frozen anadems alight with timid sapphires of the snow. But she would dream of warmer gems, and so ere long her eyes in fastnesses look forth o'er blue profounds, mysterious whence glow the coals of Tartarus on the moonless air. As titans plan the storm Olympus's throne, Mid pulse of dungeon forges down the stunned, undominated firmament, and glare of cyclopean furnaces unsunned. Then hastens she in refuge to a lone immortal garden of the eastern hours, where dawn upon a pansy's breast hath lain a single tear and whence the wind hath flown and left a silence. Far on shadowy towers droop blazoned banners, and a woodland shade with leafy flames and dyes autumnal hung makes beautiful the twilight of the year. For this the fays will dance, for elfin cheer, Within a dell where some mad girl hath flung a bracelet that the painted lizards fear. Red pyres of muffled light. Yet fancy spurns the revel, and to eastern hazard turns, and glaring beacons of the Sultan's shores, when in a Syrian treasure house she pours from caskets rich and amethystine urns, dull fires of dusty jewels that have bound the brows of naked Ashtaroth around. Or hushed at fall of some disastrous night, when sunset, like a crimson throat to hell, is cavernous, she marks the seaward flight of homing dragons dark upon the west, till, drawn by tales the winds of ocean tell, and mute amid the splendors of her quest, 
To some red city of the jinns she flees, and, lost in palaces of silence, sees within a porphyry crip the murderous light of garnet-crusted lamps, where under sit perturbed men that tremble at a sound, and ponder words on ghastly vellum writ in viper's blood to whispers from the night. Infernal rubrics sung to Satan's might or chaunted to the dragon in his gyre. But she would blot from memory the sight and seeks a stained twilight of the south where crafty gnomes with scarlet eyes conspire to quench Aldebaran's affronting fire. Low sparkling just beyond their cavern's mouth, above a wicked queen's unhallowed tomb. There, lichens brown, incredulous of fame, whisper to veined flowers her body's shame, mid stillness of all pageantries of bloom. Within lurk orbs that graven monsters clasp, red embered rubies smolder in the gloom, betrayed by lamps that nurse a sullen flame and livid roots writhe in the marble's grasp. As moaning airs invoke the conquered rust of lordly helms made equal in the dust. Without, where baleful cypresses make rich the bleeding sun's phantasmagoric jewels, are fungus tapers of the twilight witch, seen by the bat above unfathomed pools and tiger lilies known to silent ghouls whose king hath digged a somber carcanet and necklaces with fevered opals set. But fancy, well affrighted at his gaze, flies to a violet headland of the west, about whose base the sun-lashed billows blaze, ending in precious foam their fatal quest. As far below the deep-hued ocean molds, with water's toil and polished pebbles fret, the tiny twilight in the jacinth set. The wintry orb the moonstone crystal holds, snapped coral twigs and whiny agates wet, translucencies of jasper and the folds of banded onyx and vermilion breast of cinnabar. A near on orange sands, with prows of bronze, the sea-stained galleys rest, and swarthy mariners from alien strands stare at the red horizon, for their eyes behold a beacon burn on evening skies, as fed with sanguine oils at touch of night. Forth from that pharaoh's flame a radiance flies to spill in vinous gleams on ruddy decks. And overside, when leap the startled waves and crimson bubbles rise from battle wrecks, 
Unrest in Hydra's rot of bloody light dip to the ocean's phosphorescent caves. So Fancy's Curvel seeks an isle afar, led by the scorpion's rubescent star. Until in templed zones she smiles to see black incense glow, and scarlet-bellied snakes sway to the tawny flutes of sorcery. There, priestesses in purple robes hold each a sultry garnet to the sea-linked sun. Or, just before the colored morning shakes a splendor on the ruby-sanded beach, cry unto Betelgeuse a mystic word. But fancy, amorous of evening, takes her flight to groves whence lustrous rivers run, through Hyacinth, a minster wall to gird, where, in the hushed cathedral's jeweled gloom, ere faith return, and azure censers fume, she kneels in solid quietude to mark the suppliant day from gorgeous orioles float and altar lamps immure the deathless spark, till all her dreams made rich with fervent hues, she goes to watch beside a lurid moat the kingdoms of the afterglow suffuse a sentinel mountain stationed toward the night, whose broken tombs betray their ghastly trust till bloodshot gems stare up like eyes of lust. And now she knows at agate portals bright how Circe and her poisons have a home carved in one ruby that a titan lost where icy filters brim with scarlet foam, mid hiss of oils in burnished cauldrons tossed. While thickly from her prey his life-tide drips in turbid dyes that tinge her torture dome, as craftily she gleans her deadly dews with jiving spells not Pluto's queen can use, or listens to her victim's moan and sips her darkest wine, and smiles with wicked lips. Nor comes a god with any power to break the red alambics whence her gleaming broths obscenely fume, as asp or otter froths to lethal mists whose writhen vapors make dim augury to shapes of men that were point weeping at tremendous dooms to be, when pillared pomps and thrones supreme shall stir, unstable as the foam dreams of the sea. But fancy still is fugitive, and turns to caverns where a demon altar burns, and Satan, yawning on his brazen seat, Fondles a screaming thing his fiends have flayed, Ere Lilith come his indolence to greet, Who leads from hell his whitest queens, Arrayed in chains so heated at their master's fire, 
that one new damned had thought their bright attire indeed were coral, till the dazzling dance so terribly that brilliance shall enhance. But fancy is unsatisfied, and soon she seeks the silence of a vaster night, where powers of wizardry with faltering sight when as the hours creep furthest from the noon, seek by the glow-worm's lantern, cold and dull, a crimson spider hidden in a skull, or search for mottled vines with berries white, where waters mutter to the gibbous moon. There, clothed in cerements of malignant light, a sick enchantress scans the dark to curse, Beside a cauldron vex with harlot's blood, the stars of that red sign which spells her doom. Then fancy cleaves the palmy skies adverse to sunset barriers. By the Ganges' flood she sees in her dim temple Shiva loom and visioned with a monstrous ruby glare on distant twilight where the burning got is lit with glowering pyres that seem the eyes of her abhorrent dragon worms that bear the pestilence by death in darkness wrought. So fancy's wings forsake the Asian skies, and now her heart is curious of halls, in which dead Merlin's prowling ape hath spelt a vile squat whose scarlet venom crawls to ciphers bright and terrible that tell the sins of demons and the incharnled guilt that breathes a phantom at whose cry the owl malignly mute above the midnight well is dolorous and hecate lifts her cowl to mutter swift a minatory ruin and ere the tomb throne echoings have ceased the blue-eyed vampire sated at her feast smiles bloodily against the leprous moon but evening now is come, and fancy folds her splendid plumes, nor any longer holds adventurous quest o'er stained lands and seas. Fled to a star above the sunset lees, o'er onyx waters stilled by gorgeous oils that toward the twilight reach emblazoned coils. And I... Albeit Merlin's sage hath said, A viper lurketh in ye wine-cup red. Gaze pensively upon the way she went, Drink at her font, and smile as one content. Thank you so much for listening to Warlock Vorabach Reads, A Cincinnati and Hamilton County Public Library Podcast. I can't believe I've been doing this for a whole year. I can't thank you enough for listening for the entire season. So why don't you go on social media and tell us which was your favorite poem of the year. 
and be ready to get spooked again because starting next month, I will be starting the psycho all over again in the ancient times and unearthing a whole new year's worth of creepy poems. But who will we start with? Till next time. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Warlock Vorbach Reads. Subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss future episodes. And discover more of our podcasts at chpl.org slash podcasts.